This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, Hunter 52. Tonight, uh, mostly cloudy, slight chance of rain and snow. Showers low around 35. Partly sunny on Saturday, Veterans Day, with a chance of rain and snow showers. Sunday, mostly sunny, high near 44. The man suspected of setting the fire that killed more than two dozen racehorses at Tioga Downs Casino Resort faces several felony charges. Authorities said Boyd Fenton of Athens, Pennsylvania, was arrested in connection with a blaze that tore through a horse stable at the racetrack in the town of Nichols. According to the New York State Police, an investigation revealed Fenton entered the barn and set the fire that caused thousands of dollars worth of damage. The blaze was reported shortly after 6.30 a.m. Thursday. Several fire departments from Tioga and Bradford counties were sent to the racetrack complex. A person who entered the building structure in an effort to save the horses sustained second-degree burns. He was taken to Robert Packer Hospital in Sarah for treatment. His name and condition were not released. State police at Fenton has been charged with third-degree arson and third-degree burglary. He also faces felony counts of second-degree criminal mischief and second-degree assault. Fenton was arraigned Thursday afternoon and sent to Tioga County Jail in Owego. Broome County residents will see their taxes go down for a sixth straight year in 2024, following the passage Thursday evening of the county budget. In addition to the property tax cut, next year's budget includes additional investments in public safety, infrastructure, and upgrading the county workforce. The final budget reduces the property tax rate 4%, the sixth consecutive tax cut for Broome County residents. Since Gunner took office, the entire county property tax rate has now decreased 22%. Other highlights of the budget include another record-breaking county road construction program, over 80 miles of paving planned for 2024, funding for the renovation of the Binghamton Airport, Griffin Park, SUNY Broome Health Center, and the construction of the Veterans Resource Center, Investing in an additional $3 million for county employee upgrades to retain and attract new employees. $500,000 for small community grants for nonprofit agencies and municipalities. And the addition of four more members of the Sheriff's Road Patrol to increase public safety. Many customers of a Broome County Pharmacy were caught by surprise by the closing of the store. The Walgreens unit at 335 Main Street in Johnson City was shut down this week. A sign posted at the store entrance advised people that the store was closed on Monday. The Walgreens store is just east of a CVS pharmacy that closed in May of 2022. Rumors that the Walgreens store was going to be shut down started to circulate last month, although many of the shelves throughout the store were empty. Customers who asked about the situation were advised the location was not going to close. The Johnson City Walgreens Pharmacy opened in February 2007. The store was located directly across the main street from Wilson's Medical Center. The former CVS Pharmacy building to the west now is being renovated for United Health Services. The 10,000-square-foot structure is being prepared for use as a 24-hour retail and specialty pharmacy. It's scheduled to open early next year. 
The Veterans Day Parade tradition will return to Binghamton after a four-year hiatus on Saturday at 1 p.m. The parade will step off at the American Legion Post 80, 76 Main Street, Binghamton, and continue to the Broome County Courthouse. The viewing stand will be located near the county courthouse. Several local groups will be participating in the parade. Veterans Day was established after an unknown World War I American soldier was interred at Arlington National Cemetery on November 11, 1921. The date was chosen specifically to recognize World War I officially ended on November 11, 1918 at 11 a.m. This day became widely known as Armistice Day and was officially recognized by Congress in 1926. After World War II, Congress passed a resolution to proclaim November 11 as Veterans Day. Donald Trump's lawyers have been thwarted in their long-shot bid to put an immediate end to the New York civil fraud trial that threatens the former president's real estate empire. The judge didn't rule on the request Thursday, but indicated that the trial will go on as scheduled Monday, with Donald Trump Jr. returning to the stand as the first defense witness. The ex-president's lawyers had asked Judge Arthur Engron to skip the rest of the trial and issue a verdict clearing him, his company, and top, top executives, including Trump Jr., of wrongdoing. They made the request at the halfway point in the trial of New York Attorney General James' lawsuit, arguing that state lawyers had failed to prove their case. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, welcome to my world. It's Binghamton now for your Friday morning, November 10th, 2023. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, is the caller there? Hmm. Well, I can hear the caller, but I Hello? Think he... Yeah. Oh, hold on. Hi, is this yeah, John? I'm, I'm here, but unfortunately, you're not coming through the uh, uh, the headpiece. I can. Well, I you can, can hear, hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. So I'm I'm guessing this is John from Binghamton. But you can't hear me. You can't hear me at all. Hmm. Oh, 
okay, well, let me uh, talk about IM3, if you will. Wait, can you hear me now? A motley fool <laughs> uh, is uh, quoting from the recent report of Magnus Energy. Uh, today, it's the motley fool, fool, uh, fool Australian site. Uh, the operator of the 73% owned IM3 business, $100 million notice of default, failure to maintain working capital, failure to seek lenders' consent, terms of engineering, procurement, and construction, in addition, missing production lines, and the failure to pay at least $3.3 million under the engineering, procurement, and construction, so uh, 50% of the equipment at uh, IM3 New York is not working. So, uh, and I'll leave it because I can't hear you, and I'll check my phone. All right, and, uh, and you still November can't hear me. November 14th right. is, at 5 p.m. is the uh, day that the uh, default notice that has uh, been served, uh, they'll have to uh, seek alternative financing, okay? Thank you. All right, thank you. That was John from Binghamton with uh, an observation financial news you can consider 607-772-1290 on a Friday morning by the way next hour America rejoices with history history in the news history of the Binghamton area with our historian Gerald Smith Mr. Smith will be in the studio and we'll talk about uh, a lot of things dealing with area history. So you won't want to miss that. One of the highlights of every month right here at News Radio WNBF. Local news. People are reacting to the arrest of a man in connection with a tragic fire at Tioga Downs Casino Resort in Nichols. State police say more than two dozen racehorses were killed in that blaze that ripped through a stable Thursday morning. The suspect is a 32-year-old Athens resident. He faces felony charges. Some people are wondering why there aren't specific charges, as in felony charges for causing the death of racehorses, but that's New York State law for you. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Maybe this high profile case would prompt some state lawmakers in our area to do some research and maybe sponsor legislation for serious charges if somebody does something to intentionally cause the death of horses. But apparently that's not on the books right now in New York State. Suspect has been charged with four felonies, arson, burglary, criminal mischief, and assault. We're told one person was burned, that person trying to come to the aid of the horses that were trapped in the barn at Tioga Downs. 
uh, a lot of people are very upset and angry about this. And it's not a story. It's definitely not a story that we wanted to have to report uh, as I came on the air 24 hours ago. And some of the information was beginning to come in, but we didn't have a substantial amount of information to uh, really do a thoughtful report, but I would say the uh, worst fears, seems the worst fears that we had early yesterday were realized as far as the loss of more than two dozen racehorses. Elsewhere in the news, WNBF News continues to report the stories that you need to know. Some of the stories you won't find elsewhere. We're still trying to figure out why Walgreens would just suddenly close down a store on Main Street in Johnson City. Now, some people say, well, maybe the lease was coming due. Could be. Could be the lease was going to expire. The people who own the building aren't local. It's uh, an LLC from out of state, so don't know. Maybe they got a better offer. Maybe they'll turn that into um, one of those uh, stores that sells chicken sandwiches six days a week. That'd be a great place to put it. You put it right across from the hospital. Open up the six-day-a-week chicken sandwich outlet right across from the hospital, and that way you're assured people will be going there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner six days a week. And then on Sundays, I don't know what they do. Fast. Anyway... We'll try to find out what's going on with Walgreens. I don't, I don't understand the concept of shutting down your store without letting your customers know in advance, at least when CVS has closed stores in Broome County, the three stores they've closed so far in Binghamton, as well as the one in Johnson City on Main Street near the Walgreens. At least CVS had the courtesy to let their customers know a little bit in advance. It's 919 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? First name is Scotty Bobby and, uh, Scotty, I should say. Scotty, and I'm calling from California, right outside of San Francisco, Bobby. Oh, I love that bridge. Oh, me too. You know, I want to walk over to, uh, hopefully before year's end when a nice day. Mm. That's, um, a, that's, you know, I wish, if there was just one thing I wish Broome County had. I wish we had a bridge like that. Well, you know, you got some good bridges. What's that bridge near the uh, World War One statue, the Skirling Dervish, whatever they call them? That the night? skirmisher. The, yeah, that's the, skirmisher. The, yeah, that's the bridge, the Washington Street Bridge. You know, yeah. uh, speaking of bridges, and I know this isn't why you called, but I've been waiting to bring this up, and I won't spend too much time on it right now. But that bridge used to be open to vehicular traffic and the last 
few decades, it's only open to pedestrians and bicyclists because they don't want the thing to collapse, which have to admit if it collapses, if it was open to vehicular traffic and it collapsed, that would be a big news story. So I'd have to, you know, get out of the newsroom and go out and report on that. So, um, but but, uh, 50 years ago, Scotty, Binghamton City Council somehow managed to block the building of a new bridge. There was a big plan to build a bridge at Front Street to go from Front Street over to Pennsylvania Avenue. And the DOT, and therefore New York State, was all on board. And if it wasn't for Binghamton City Council, we would have a nice bridge there going between Front Street and Pennsylvania Avenue, and life would be so much better. But that shows you... They had bigger fish to fry uh, banning Ellis Cooper from the arena, right? (laughs) By the way, yes, that's exactly right. And this is when it was coming to a head in late 1973. Charlie Theokas, who was running the arena back then, uh, as well as some other people. In fact, a lot of other people wanted Alice Cooper. They had set up a date in December, and Alice Cooper was ready to come to Binghamton, but the arena board of directors blocked the performance of Alice Cooper in 1973, which many have come to regard as a major, major blunder. But at the time, the county executive, Edwin Crawford, was on record as saying, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't want Alice Cooper at our arena. That's a paraphrase. That's not a direct quote. So, well, yes, you know, that's... he was more Guy Lombardi and uh, <laughs> Guy Lombardo, I should say, yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Well, I well, love Guy Lombardo. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, but, but Guy Lombardo had his place, and we know what that was, 1150 on New Year's <laughs> Eve. Alice Cooper is good for 366 days a year. Anyway, that's not why you called. What's on your okay, mind? Okay, I got uh, two two things, Bobby. Yesterday, one of your viewers called and uh, said uh, Kamala Harris, it's too tough on crime. God bless Kamala Harris. We Did you hear that? It, that yeah, was a, that. a caller who I always perceived to be a Republican who was anti-crime. And the caller actually was chastising Kamala Harris for going after criminals. And I thought, yeah. well, yeah. isn't this interesting? Yeah, I mean, and by the way, we love her in California. Love, love, love her. She's Kamala great. Harris. There's nothing not yeah. to love. I mean, to be sure. And again, I think one of the points I, I've attempted to make over the years, she certainly was no Sarah Palin. God, no, heck no. Good no, Lord. No, I mean, Kamala Harris, I don't, I've never had a chance to speak with her. Gosh, I wish she would be on the program. Probably one of the questions I'd ask her, and the only reason I would do it is because I think she has a sense of humor and she would know where I was coming from. Probably the final question would be, oh, and um, just one other thing. What newspapers do you read? And then she would laugh and say, oh, 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 I see what you're doing there, Bobby. Anyway, so, yeah, she's she's incredible. Bobby, I got a second point here. I heard uh, they were talking on TV. The former guy and uh, current president, Joseph Biden, who would you want as your next door neighbor? Well, that's an easy one. Neither, yeah. neither. But <laughs> come on, Joe Biden, he'd be in bed by eight o'clock. He'd yeah, I know. He'd be in, he'd, he'd probably be in bed by six. He's a nice enough guy <laughs> that he would probably have his lawn guy do my lawn. 
He'd probably, he would probably, uh, because he's so nice, he and Dr. Jill Biden, as well as Hunter, when Hunter was in town, they'd probably invite me over for speedies as long as we didn't stay up too late. I imagine, say, on Friday nights, we well, might push it and be, be up till 7.30 or 8 o'clock. But I think it'd be a lot of fun to actually have well, the Bidens next right. door. Well, you know, uh, the person on TV said about the former guy, if he was your next door neighbor, he'd be hitting on your wife while you're at work. And then he'd deny it and call her ugly. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And then I'd be sitting there. I'd be sitting there with you know the the video from my Ring doorbell camera saying, "Hey, <laughs> hey." And I can't call him the former guy anymore because people get people are very sensitive oh, if I call him Bob, the former I guy. Words. I got a couple things. <laughs> former guy. Former guy. Former guy. Former guy. Former guy. Former guy. Get over All it. All right. <laughs> Don't do that. Let's, former guy. Former no, guy. Former no, guy. Stop. <laughs> I implore you, stop. And, and okay, Bob, Bob, Bob. Let's let's let your uh, viewers. We're gonna have a poll. He can either be known as the guy who came after the greatest president ever, Barack Hussein Obama, or the guy before the current president, Joe Biden. Yeah, the, the Scranton guy. Take, take your pick. Take your pick. Yeah, I mean, let's... have your viewers. Which one do they want? Okay, but let's let's agree to this. And this is this only pertains to the next two hours and thirty five minutes. But for uh, our more sensitive viewers, I I pledge I won't use that phrase at all on the air for the rest of the week. So between uh, now and you know noon. what I got to say for your sensitive viewers? Put on your big boy pants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they need to go to a safe room. A safe room yeah, where they can't yeah. hear that phrase. I, I think they're part of the woke cancel culture, aren't they? <laughs> For our sensitive viewers, it's like, oh my I mean, like, we're all adults here. Oh, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, of all the things you could call them, that's one of the least. I, actually, the, the great thing about that is, although some people find it deplorable, I uh, I actually think the the beauty of that phrase is it's true. See that's that's yeah. the thing. Maybe yeah. maybe they the the alternative facts crowd doesn't like it because they they still are under the delusion that he's the current guy. Now, now Bob, what is the First Amendment? <laughs> I know, I know. Freedom of speech. You're you're being denied your freedom of speech. Bob. I know. You know where? Come on, where man. Uh, yeah. Do I have to take this to the Supremes? That'd be my luck, and and you know the 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 luck of the draw, the the, the random. I take my First Amendment case to get you know to retain my my First Amendment freedom of speech rights and freedom of the press, and you know luck of the draw, random assignment. Who gets my case? Clarence Thomas, and so he's sitting there. Oh, you know, I have to go, and I don't even know that this is part of the usual process, but I'd be summoned. Like on a Saturday afternoon, you know, you have to go into the Supreme Court building with, you know, a special permission slip signed by Clarence Thomas. And they, they say, well, we normally don't have people in here on Saturday afternoons. Well, the justice wanted to uh, talk about my case. And so I go in there and he's sitting there and he says, Bob, would you like a Coke? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. No, Moxie is my drink. Thank you, sir. That's the story from the San Francisco Bay Area, making contemporary news. 
Anyway, we're off to a rip-roaring start. We uh, have now ascertained that the phone lines are in perfect, perfect order. Thank you to The Phone Company. We've got more coming up on WNBF. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. First thing on time, News Radio 1290, WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. WNBF, Binghamton. This is Bob Joseph. We are live and local. More calls are coming up. So if you have things you'd like to say, we certainly have phone lines available, and we will be um, taking as many calls as possible on this Friday morning. First, though, we're pleased to be joined by... Darlene Croston with some information about the Veterans Day Parade in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am well. How are you? Good. Thank you. It's a fine Friday. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a a beautiful day. I've already been out reporting on a couple of stories and uh, taking all the pictures and video I could possibly do on, on my way in. And then at afternoon, I'll go out and do more reporting because... Hey, that's what I do. That is what you do. Excellent, excellent. So, tell us about the um, the parade that'll be taking place tomorrow in Binghamton. Well, um, as some of our members might remember uh, from citizenry, that the last time we had a Veterans Day parade was uh, before COVID. So that was in 2019, and uh, the nice uh, fine man that used to run this uh, Cliff Post, uh, he unfortunately passed away in 2020. And so uh, as the years intervened, I would ask, well, you know, are we having a parade? And, and nobody would say anything. So finally, uh, I found out that that's what had happened. There had been a break in communication. So um, found out uh, through a couple of members, uh, connections with the Veterans Department over at Broome County. So great thanks to Brian Bodasek because technically um, he filled out the application for us. So that makes it as a government-to-government entity, there's no fee. And uh, then I'm the event manager, so to speak. But we have a fine committee of uh, Dave Hotelin, uh, Jeff Large, uh, Bob Seidel, and Ralph Luciani, who all worked with Cliff Post. So they helped me fill in some of the gaps. And uh, we we are putting the band back together, so to speak. Well, that's great. I see that uh, there are many local groups that will be participating in the parade tomorrow afternoon. Yes, yes. We are uh, pleased that we have uh, several members, including uh, the Boy Scouts, we have um, VFW, we have American Legion, we have Legion Riders, 
then we also have the DAV, so the Disabled American Veterans, and then uh, various uh, police organizations, sheriffs, and uh, the AOH, the ladies of the AOH, uh, Binghamton Fire Department, and then we have several car clubs, such as uh, the Twin Tiers Mustang Club, the Iroquois Car Club, BC Corvette Club, Mid-State Miata Club. And so, um, you know, there's still others uh, that I didn't mention, but we do have a good retinue uh, of groups. Uh, certainly, the way I'm t- treating this is uh, we're just starting somewhere. You know, it may not be the best it's ever been, but we're we're getting building a strong foundation, good communication so that this continues, certainly, uh, you know, move forward and do Memorial Day as well, but want to reestablish this tradition. Uh, Bob, one of the things I did was I researched and, you know, with with the advent, you know, because of course, Veterans Day, most people know, started as World War I commemoration, Armistice Day. And uh, when I looked it up, uh, the mayor at the time in 1918 in Binghamton, uh, on the day the war was announced to be over, and the armistice called, he called for um, businesses and schools to close to celebrate locally. Same with 1919. There was a lot of local holidays and observations. In 1920 is the first time that I find record of us holding in Binghamton a Armistice Day parade. So that would have been two years after the war ended. And the American Legion actually was the one who um, put it together. And it had over 2,000 veterans. And in 1921, that was the day that the unknown soldier was buried at Arlington and many um, across the country, uh, many municipalities held Armistice Day celebrations. Ours started with church services at Christ Church and United Presbyterian. And then from there, a parade was formed uh, that included multiple groups of veterans. You know, of course, we still had Civil War veterans at that time, Spanish War American veterans. And uh, they're listed as marching as well as the, quote, newly minted uh, World War I veterans. Then on top of that, you had um, organizations such as Rotary, Kiwanis that were marching. You had uh, school children. They list over 1,000 school children were in the parade. So it was quite an event and all the businesses closed. So I, I just, you know, obviously maybe we don't get back to those days, but still I think it, it's a proud tradition. And there's a reason for Veterans Day. Uh, you know, people ask about the difference between the days. And, you know, so Armed Forces Day is those that are currently serving and wearing uniform. Veterans Day is those who have served honorably and took the uniform off or hung it up at some point. Memorial Day is for those who never had a chance to take the uniform off. And so we feel it's important to honor both those that have served and those who um, served, you know, gave the ultimate sacrifice. But there are two distinct celebrations uh, and commemorations for that. Now tell us uh, about when the parade will start tomorrow afternoon Mm -hmm. and where and uh, the route of the Veterans Day Parade in Binghamton. Of course. We're going to go with the uh, route that has uh, been over the last several years because, again, we feel it works. So we start at American Legion Post 80. That is on 76th Main Street in Binghamton. So people, uh, groups that are involved will start forming up at about 1230. Everything will be posted um, at the uh, American Legion. There will be a check-in table. And then promptly at 1 o'clock, we'll be stepping off and proceeding down Main Street, you know, starting into Court Street, of course, was it uh, over the bridge, and then ending at the courthouse. There will be a reviewing stand kindly provided by uh, the city and also um, the power is being coordinated with the county. But uh, thankfully, uh, Joe Mahalko, our county clerk, he has offered to be the MC. So he will be at the reviewing stand uh, reading off uh, the participants as they parade by. 
And, uh, you know, but we expect, uh, again, one o'clock tomorrow, the weather might be a little chilly, but there's no precipitation in the forecast. So we're very excited about that. Darlene Croston, thank you very much for giving us the uh, preview of tomorrow's parade here in Binghamton. I wish you well and wish everybody who attends the parade or those who are participating, wish them all the best tomorrow. Great. And thank you so much for having me, Bob. Have a great weekend. All right, you as well. It's 9.38. Binghamton now. Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. We're on the air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM and online at WNBF.com. WNBF is live on a Friday morning. How many other radio stations can say that? The answer is not very many. But we are live. We are local in living color on NBF. And I can prove we're live right now because I'm going to take a call. Hi, WNBF Live. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning there, Bob. It's Dave from Vestal. How's it going? Never better. The weekend is in sight. We're going to have the best weekend ever. (laughs) Good, Bob. Hey, you know, in support of the veterans, tomorrow is wear camel day. Anybody, anybody, if you have anything camel, wear it. And if you don't, why not? Um, Or pink. Pink, because this year uh, the Barbie movie was big. So if you don't have... If you don't have uh, that, uh, you know, uh, a pink hat or something and, you know, something that says, uh, I love America or America is the greatest, like on your pink hat, whatever you wear, just uh, wear it with dignity. And, of course, as they say, pride. Correct. I guarantee you, Bob, I don't have a pink hat. But anyways, um, I'll have to look. I'll double check. (laughs) Anyways, uh, you know. And I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about, uh, I think it was the, the last caller. I think it was the last caller. The California guy there. I was thinking about um, um, what he said about we love Harris out here and Barack Obama's the greatest president ever. You know, Bob, now I know why. They're leaving in droves. They're running away, not just from Gas- Gavin Newsom, but from neighbors that think like that. That's why they're running away, Bob. And they're leaving in busloads out there. Well, if if people want to run to West Virginia or Texas or Florida or Mississippi, I say run. Don't walk, run. Run. Right? You know what I say? (laughs) If, If you don't like New York or California, run. Get out. Get out and go to a state you like. Whatever you do, don't complain about the state and act like you're, um, I don't know, some sort of really bad Finger Lakes wine. Just get out and run. Run. Don't walk. Go to a place you like. And please, please, leave leave the good states for the people who are happy. You know, it's it, it doesn't make life any better in New York or California or wherever, to be surrounded by a bunch of people who are constantly whining. 
I don't want anyone to be unhappy. If you're unhappy with New York or California, go find a happy spot in Texas, Crawford, Texas, or, or Florida. There must be a place in Florida for you. Go ahead. Leave. <laughs> And, and don't send don't send a forwarding address. Just stop complaining. Go to a place that will make you happy. Find a happy spot. They're they're doing it, but I mean, they're doing I know. It. And I they're I am so it. grateful for the people who finally leave. And you know, and I I well, I won't mention him by name because of HIPAA. I want to protect his privacy. There is a talk show host for years and years and years. He would gripe about New York. Oh, I'm leaving New York as soon as I can, as soon as the kids get old enough. And it's like, well, first, I know you're not going to leave New York really fast because you have two mansions on Long Island. So, But he did. He sold one of his mansions on Long Island. But he stayed even after his kids got out of school. But um, I just found it um, just disappointing that he was so unhappy with New York State. I thought if if New York State was so bad, he should leave even – if it meant uprooting his kids and and take them to a good state, at least a good state by his standards, and and have them enjoy the fine education that's available in places like Florida and Texas, but he he opted to stay longer longer than we expected. So, but again, I won't mention his name today. <laughs> hey, hey, but one, one other thing I noticed, you know, uh, I've been watching the debates too, and. You know, you know what's going on. You know what a lot of people doing. I don't know if you noticed. You even had a caller yesterday doing that. You had a caller. I think it was. Well, I won't say his name, but you'll know who it is. Anyways, um, you had a caller. They're ignoring DeSantis. Even the media is doing, claiming that he's not doing well. It's all Nikki. Well, Hill I'll tell you, Ronnie. <laughs> they've now decided Ronnie doesn't stand a chance, so Ronnie can stay in Florida, and. Uh, be the leader of the disgruntled New York crowd <laughs> and um you know and, and be happy. I think I think he can be he can live long and prosper in the Walt Disney state. I say talk about strange bedfellows. Ron DeSantis and Walt Disney Company. Isn't that interesting? Well they're 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 concentrating their Brit Chris Christie's wonderful. That's because he bastards Trump. They they want to say how great, but you know what? DeSantis last debate he beat everybody, even Nikki. He was makes no difference. He he could he could beat every Republican on the planet. He's not going to be the party's nominee. He can do the most. He can do the most for America by presiding over Florida, over the growing crowd of disgruntled New Yorkers. No, but Trump could, uh, he could, he could pick him by. No, actually, Trump could be lieutenant governor of Florida. That would be, that way everybody's happy. Trump can be back in office. He could be, uh, Ron DeSantis's, uh, lieutenant governor. Uh, Ivanka could be secretary of state. Don Jr. could be DMV commissioner. And Eric, well, you know, they need someone who can wash cars. DeSantis could be VP, Bob, still. Could be. Could be. Not of the United States, but maybe of my pillow industries. It's 948 WNBF. Having fun on the radio. On Binghamton Now.
Happy Radio, WNBM. Bob and Vestal, you're on the air. I can't stand that song. It is like a happy song. I could listen to it 24 hours a day. I fire. By your speed. By your speed, Bob. It makes me, I don't know, like a certain je ne sais quoi makes me not just happy, but joyful almost. Come on, get that off. Happy dance. Let's do a happy dance. Come on, baby. Are you with me, Bob? Are you with me? Because we're happy. <laughs> happy. All right. Glenn and Vestal, are you happy? I am happy, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Isn't that the best song, though? I was jazzing to it. Yeah, everybody was. Everybody in Vestal along the parkway, even people across the river in Endicott, even people on the old bridge between Vestal and Endicott. They're all dancing. Anyway, what's on your mind, Glenn? I just wanted to say thank you about Joseph for having me on and the other candidates on. We were successful in getting our uh, elections finished in Vessel, and the Real Democracy people won. So thank you so much for the time you allowed us to have on your show. Well, I felt it was a public service because I, I wanted each candidate to have an ample amount of time to express his or her views as as we went into the election. So that was what I... I really tried, and I, I think we were successful. Ultimately, we had all three candidates for town supervisor on with uh, in-depth interviews that were conducted nowhere else. So I, I, I would say mission accomplished this time. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And, and also, I think everybody appreciates your fairness in that process. Well, I appreciate your calling in. I, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks very much. And yeah, play that song anytime you want, buddy. Okay. We might play that for the whole 11 o'clock hour since so many people love the happy song. We'll uh, call it Happy Radio. Right, Jerry? Right, Bob. Thank you. I was listening. <laughs> well, that's one. <laughs> All right. Stand by. History coming up on WNBF and its affiliated stations. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, Hunter 52. Tonight, uh, mostly cloudy, slight chance of rain and snow. Showers low around 35. Partly sunny on Saturday, Veterans Day, with a chance of rain and snow showers. Sunday, mostly sunny, high near 44. The man suspected of setting the fire that killed more than two dozen racehorses at Tioga Downs Casino Resort faces several felony charges. 
Authorities said Boyd Fenton of Athens, Pennsylvania, was arrested in connection with a blaze that tore through a horse stable at the racetrack in the town of Nichols. According to the New York State Police, an investigation revealed Fenton entered the barn and set the fire that caused thousands of dollars worth of damage. The blaze was reported shortly after 6.30 a.m. Thursday. Several fire departments from Tioga and Bradford counties were sent to the racetrack complex. A person who entered the building structure in an effort to save the horses sustained second-degree burns. He was taken to Robert Packer Hospital in Sarah for treatment. His name and condition were not released. State police at Fenton has been charged with third-degree arson and third-degree burglary. He also faces felony counts of second-degree criminal mischief and second-degree assault. Fenton was arraigned Thursday afternoon and sent to Tioga County Jail in Owego. Broome County residents will see their taxes go down for a sixth straight year in 2024, following the passage Thursday evening of the county budget. In addition to the property tax cut, next year's budget includes additional investments in public safety, infrastructure, and upgrading the county workforce. The final budget reduces the property tax rate 4%, the sixth consecutive tax cut for Broome County residents. Since Gunner took office, the entire county property tax rate has now decreased 22%. Other highlights of the budget include another record-breaking county road construction program, over 80 miles of paving planned for 2024, funding for the renovation of the Binghamton Airport, Griffin Park, SUNY Broom Health Center, and the construction of the Veterans Resource Center, Investing in an additional $3 million for county employee upgrades to retain and attract new employees. $500,000 for small community grants for nonprofit agencies and municipalities. And the addition of four more members of the Sheriff's Road Patrol to increase public safety. Many customers of a Broome County Pharmacy were caught by surprise by the closing of the store. The Walgreens unit at 335 Main Street in Johnson City was shut down this week. A sign posted at the store entrance advised people that the store was closed on Monday. The Walgreens store is just east of a CVS pharmacy that closed in May of 2022. Rumors that the Walgreens store was going to be shut down started to circulate last month, although many of the shelves throughout the store were empty. Customers who asked about the situation were advised the location was not going to close. The Johnson City Walgreens Pharmacy opened in February 2007. The store was located directly across the main street from Wilson's Medical Center. The former CVS Pharmacy building to the west now is being renovated for United Health Services. The 10,000 square foot structure is being prepared for use as a 24-hour retail and specialty pharmacy. It's scheduled to open early next year. The Veterans Day Parade tradition will return to Binghamton after a four-year hiatus on Saturday at 1 p.m. The parade will step off at the American Legion Post 80, 76 Main Street, Binghamton, and continue to the Broome County Courthouse. The viewing stand will be located near the county courthouse. Several local groups will be participating in the parade. Veterans Day was established after an unknown World War I American soldier was interred at Arlington National Cemetery on November 11, 1921. The date was chosen specifically to recognize World War I officially ended on November 11, 1918 at 11 a.m. This day became widely known as Armistice Day and was officially recognized by Congress in 1926. 
After World War II, Congress passed a resolution to proclaim November 11 as Veterans Day. Donald Trump's lawyers have been thwarted in their long-shot bid to put an immediate end to the New York civil fraud trial that threatens the former president's real estate empire. The judge didn't rule on the request Thursday, but indicated that the trial will go on as scheduled Monday, with Donald Trump Jr. returning to the stand as the first defense witness. The ex-president's lawyers had asked Judge Arthur Engeron to skip the rest of the trial and issue a verdict clearing him, his company, and top top executives, including Trump Jr., of wrongdoing. They made the request at the halfway point in the trial of New York Attorney General James' lawsuit, arguing that state lawyers had failed to prove their case. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph. And I'm Jerry Smith. The dynamic duo of broadcast history. Gosh, Batman. Gosh, indeed. Yes. (laughs) Well, as they say, the program is certainly off to a start. There we go. Mm. We'll be climbing the wall waiting for the celebrity to stick their head out the window. Mm. Why, it's Caesar Romero. Did we um, decide whether we're going to take any calls today? Cause it, I think isn't, we it, isn't it true for the October segment that we spent basically an hour just like two guys talking about history well, as though no one else was? Yeah, uh, that's very true. I think for the November segment, we should take calls. All right. Well, let's put it this way. We'll plan to take calls. All right. That's my plan. That's your plan. But Remember, plans sometimes go awry. Oh, yeah. The best laid plans of mice and men. Sometimes, off, off times, sometimes off. lead to a copier plant that never got anywhere close to 2,000 employees. There. Oh, seven. 33 Lewis Road. Thank you, Governor Hugh Carey. With his orange hair. It was the nicest orange hair. Until. That's right. Ronald McDonald, I think, asked him what, what, what degree of orange he used so he could mimic it. So he basically was a trendsetter. It just occurred to me. Totally. Hugh Hugh Leo Carey gave you-know-who from Queens the idea that orange hair could be successful in New York. Yeah. So there. And see what we've got. The weird thing in this case, though, only his hair was orange. Ah. His skin was skin tone. That's true. Yes, it was. Therein lies the difference. Oh, and I, I think he was a Democrat, and then the other person who adapted the orange look was a Republican. The grand old party. Yeah. All right. Well, we normally keep politics out of the program, so let's move on. Yes, please. Um, oh, I know. Oh, wait. The phone number. Oh. Yeah. Do we Eric still have a 607-772-1290. It used to be, back in the day, operators were standing by, but because of vicious cost cuts, operators... Are now standing by over at um, over on Main Street across from the high school. Yes, the former operators who would be standing by. Yeah, but, you know, if you all call, twelve of them. 
It was a big, large room well, of operators. Remember when you first came to the station when we had that giant switchboard? Oh, yeah. Mm. It was giant, too. It was big. Mm. And we had big phones. We and used to... Lots of cables. Oh, pl- yeah. You like to plug it. Did you ever see it at Center Plaza? No. Oh, you should... I never did. You missed out. I was, when I was doing Bill Parker, you were at Security Mutual yeah. Building. And then, no, I missed that era. We, um... And I, I have some pictures and video. Someday I'll I'll bring it in and show it on the the program. They um, that would be we, somebody's future apartment. Yes, it would. And actually, the I, the guy, the guy actually told me he. I think he's actually started renovating the old Center Plaza. Mm. Wouldn't that be awful for someone to have to live where WNBF Radio used to be? Ooh. It's like ooh, the ghost of Radio Pass. Right. Ooh, they have the urge to be loud and boisterous. Really. Talk with Talk Bo- in a microphone. Talk with Bobby. Yes. Um, anyway, we did have some fun at the station, but the funnest thing was when we moved, because I guess we now statute of limitations, we can disclose we moved out of there and then went to Security Mutual building over on Court Street. But when we were moving, we saw the, the uh, sheer volume. The sheer volume of all the cables and wires and everything that ordinarily we didn't see because they were behind the right. equipment racks right. and stuff like it. My, my, what a miles and miles of coaxial cables Mi- and cables yeah. and miles, microphone cables, miles and miles of technology. Yes, and, and that's back when before radio became like we've got computer screens and everything's on a hard drive, but. Back then, we, we had uh, patch cords where yes. we would patch one segment because, if say, if I wanted to, we, and we had a station, they played hit music, WQIT, the all-hit music the station. Quiet Island. 98Q. I remember. Yeah. Wow. So there was a way on WNBF, if I wanted to be on 98Q, I could use the patch panel right next to me and patch the WNBF audio and then patch it on 98Q and do like a morning zoo program. Hmm. If I wanted to. I never did because I didn't want to get fired that early in my career. Yeah. 98Q. You had turntables. 98Q. You're quiet, Island. And, and like eight-track things. Oh, I don't know what those are ever Cart- called. Machines. Cartridges, yeah. yes. And they looked like eight-tracks. Because Bill Parker was always... When he was talking to me, he's like doing well, this. Then every every hour, because every commercial element was on a separate right. cart. So sometimes, like especially during the holiday season when we had lots of right. announcements, not commercials. They were announcements. Announcements. Okay. Stand by for these important announcements. That's right. All right, commercials. They were on carts. <laughs> so we say like for the next hour, we would look right. at the log and we would get the carts ready for the commercials. So we would have them handy. And sometimes we would have a big stack, because like up to our chin, right? Because hey, it was busy time. Yes, you know, people people had Techn- back in the day in the holidays, people wanted to sell lots of stuff. For some reason, the holiday season why. they wanted to yeah. sell lots of stuff. Yeah. I, gee, they still do. But so sometimes we'd have a stack of carts up to our chin, and then we'd be walking, and then like somehow we'd get confused or whatever, lose our footing, then all the carts would fly all over the place. I, had, I have that on video where somebody did that once. And it's like, and she was not happy, not so much that she dropped like 15 or 20 carts. See, you got to know your limitations. And she was trying to carry 15 or 20 right. carts at once. So I, 
having my video camera back then, I thought, well, this is going to be fun. And it was. But yeah. she wasn't happy because I caught it on, on video. Uh, of course. It's like, don't look at me. I'm, I would never attempt to carry that many cards across the hallway. I mean, you got to know your limitations. Yeah. And, and it wasn't a roomy area. No. For those of us who did some guest segments over there. Yeah. It's 1017 here at WNBF. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. What's well, up? What I think we should talk about. <laughs> what? What would I, that be, Bob? Well, IBM. Oh, wait. You know, the IBM collection, that's coming up. Okay. Well, okay, I'm just saying. the audience. Endicott. Yes. Because I heard something. Oh. Okay. Do you want to... Do you have room in your basement for an IBM mainframe computer? No. no. <laughs> See, I, I'm thinking that I could get... Because I've got room in my basement. And it'd be it'd be... A conversation piece. Come on down. I want to yeah. show you something. But the, but maybe like, a couple of exhibit panels. Yeah. We'll see. You have room for an IBM Selectric typewriter. You have oh, I do have room that. for that. You don't have room for a... Because those mainframes were pretty... They're a little bit roomy. Pretty big. Yeah. But that would be a conversation piece. Yes. People what, would be like... What is that? Wow. That takes especially up the entire basement. Especially you bring somebody in who's like under the age of 50. Like, yes. What the heck is that? Because the computing power that we have in in our, our hands and our smartphone is more computing like power than... 20 times the power, yeah. yeah. Well, look, um, we have a call. Oh, good. It's probably a wrong number, probably. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Well, I hope it's not a scam. Well, you should probably answer it. Oh, okay. okay. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air with Tom and Jerry. Yeah, Bob, uh, you never know what I'm going to be. I, I could always be a scammer. You just yeah, never know. Could be. So hey. what's your first name? Jesse from Owego. That's what I thought. It, to me, it sounded Hi. like Jesse from Owego. Good morning. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wish I kept my pink slip when we migrated to Stabin because I'd probably still have it on my wall frame. Hmm. Oh, that was a rough ride. It was just a business write-off. Yeah, did they ever make a color copier? Because they said they were going to make lots of color copiers right, and then make that. lots of money. Well, as we migrated into that place, they would take us into the main production room where they were putting the colors into their cartridges, and we had to sign uh, non-disclosure forms. We were not allowed to say a word or anything hmm. to anybody about their process. Well, and somebody told me that the – because every – like for the color copiers, you had to have like a different thing, like a different cartridge for each color. And right. somebody told me the one that was magenta was 50% Zima. Any truth to that? Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't even think they had Zima. <laughs> ah, see, trick question. Ah, I was just going to check to test your veracity. Yeah. Okay. How long did you work there? Yeah. Uh, well, it was Magnetic Labs here in Appalachian. Right. I'd worked there for like 10 years. And all of a sudden, we get the word, we are now merging with Savin. And oh. we are now going to work there. Uh, I didn't even work there long because as soon as we migrated everything over there, all of a sudden, we all get pink slips. Mm. Like, how how many people, how many, when the pink slips started to be issued, well, how many people do you think were actually there at the um, Savin plant at 33 Lewis Road? Uh, I'd say a couple hundred. I mean, it was a big operation. We did all the... We did all the sheet metal work. So we put all the cabinets together. 
Okay. And then you got another department that puts the copier together. Right. And then the other department that puts the colors all together. And then, then it goes to another department where we merge everything together, and then it goes to shipping. So it was quite a big operation, but I don't know what happened. I well, you know, when, when Hugh Carey announced that in 1980, I believe it was around 1980, the talk was that they, they expected to have more than 2,000 right. people working there. That's what they thought, yes, because in the beginning it was just a couple hundred because things were just getting off the ground, and, yeah, it was going to be a big deal. And then I don't know. Then I, poof, I it was know. gone. Okay. Yeah. Hey, by the way, the history of WQIT, it's a nightmare to me because I remember going there. I didn't see no turntable. I'd seen them slow-moving tapes. Oh, those Never tapes. Oh, the tapes, point. yes, yes. Well, <clears throat> here's the was, thing. <laughs> So, yes, the the main part of WQYT, or as I like to call it, Q98, your quiet station. You know, playing Quiet Riot and stuff like that and Aerosmith. But um, the, the, main, the main part of QYT, indeed, was six reel-to-reel tape decks with 12-inch tape reels. And then, if you also remember, to the right of those beautiful tape decks, the reel-to-reel machines... There was a little touchpad uh, where you could, that's how we programmed the automation. And then to the right of that, there were three, uh, I think it was three carousels. We called them carousels. That's where the tape cartridges went in. So that's where the commercials played. And so that was like the main part of Q98, the quiet island. But the... The secret, I guess, that you never saw. They did have a studio that they used occasionally. And here's here's a secret I don't think I've ever talked about on WNBF before. Are you ready? This is a secret uh, about my broadcast career. Oh, go do tell, Bob. <laughs> so the first... Don't mock me. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm ready to talk about something that's... Okay. Never... We, we are... Jesse and I and all the other listeners are sincerely interested... No yes, one's, we are. No one's interested. Anyway, the truth is, before I ever got on the air at WNBF, when I was still back in high school, I I was allowed to do um, the morning show, such as it was on WQYT Q ninety eight, the Quiet Island, and and it was they had a studio there over at the other end of the hallway at Center Plaza, and that's where that was the first time that I really did a live program on the Quiet Island, and then later they they liked what I did on WQYT, and then they said, wow, we could use you on WNBF, and I said, I'll bet you could, and the rest is history. Well, so, I'm, betting that, I'm betting that your morning show on WQYT probably wasn't all that quiet, so they had to migrate you. <laughs> no, it was... I agree with this, you, Jesse. Well, this, no, seriously, first of all, there were... Because the format was developed by a kid named Jim Schelke. Mm-hmm. He was like the the brains of all so-called elevator music stations, or some people would call them easy listening or background music. But Jim Schelke was very, very adamant for all the stations that used his format. You could have only eight commercials per hour maximum. You could only have four commercial breaks and in any commercial break, you could have no more than three units. So you could have 
a 60-second commercial and two 30-second commercials, or you could have three 30s or whatever, mm. but you could never have more than three commercials at a time. And also, for example, the weather, and let's just punch up the weather so you would get a sense of what how the weather had to be presented. This is sort of a, a simulation of what the quiet island weather was. I remember whenever I got in trouble, suspended for school, from school or whatever, my mother would make me sit down and listen to that station all day. I promise yeah. you, I never well, got sure. suspended again. That's what that's what they <laughs> that's what they use to uh, placate the prisoners at Gitmo. Here's here's a sample <laughs> forecast. Now the weather from WQYT. Mostly cloudy today. High 52. Cloudy tonight with a chance of rain and snow showers. Low 35. This is your quiet island, WQYT. And that's exactly how it was. So I decided it was nice to be on the radio live, but if, if that's all I'm going to be able to do, that's, that's, that's not going to cut it. Yep. So after, after a short time, they put me on WNBF, and as they say, they can't get rid of me. No. The rest is history. Wow. See? I Too think b- it was the best move ever. So, I mean, at least you weren't falling asleep, because I know I... No, it's, you know, Q, right, you're but right. But <clears throat> here's the thing. We could joke all we want about Q98, your quiet island. But it, it also had the highest ratings in the market. Because yeah. everybody would listen to it. Because it and, was soft and easy, and yeah. it's not going to be upsetting. Sure. So every doctor's yeah. office, lawyer's office, store, and... Um, I mean, you weren't going to be having the strains of Black Sabbath or Jethro right. Tull. Although out. every once in a while, they <laughs> had, they had like, a thousand and one strings that would actually do custom versions of some yes. of songs. So sometimes, you know, there was... And this I'm making up, but it's it's only exaggerating slightly that there was a, a, a WQI version of Stairway to Heaven. Now, there wasn't actually, but there were a few other songs right. that were pop hits. They, they were notorious for taking Beatles songs and turning them into elevator music. Right. And it's just like, I why heard do one that? version. I can't remember who did it. It was like 101 Strings. It's Madhavati, whatever. They were doing Guns N' Roses. Yeah, it's like or, or thinking, dream on Aerosmith. What, what dream is on. that? And I realize no, that's just wrong. And the, you know what? Really, really, finally was the last straw when they did the uh, 101 strings version of Pharrell's "Happy." That song, when they did "Happy," I said, "I've had enough." I've had enough. That's Thank you, right. Jesse, for the Thank memory. Thank you, Jesse. It's only so far we can take it, baby. Yeah. More coming up next, including mm. a focus. On IBM. And the IBM collection. Indeed. What's next? Don't touch that dial. Hmm. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. News Radio 1290. WNBF. WNBF Binghamton. I'm Bob Joseph. Well, the IBM collection story will be coming up. Let's see if we can uh, hit a couple 
No, we can't hit a couple calls. We have a phone line. You know, uh, one of the other things, Jerry, that I can tell you about at Center Plaza, we had uh, a phone system. They were right. all black phones, and they were right. We didn't own them. They were owned by the phone company, okay. so they were designed to always work. Ah, so unlike unlike the, uh, the thing I watch, and things come on, and then they just disappear into the, into yeah. the oh, internet. I'm not, I mean, I don't even know who makes that. I'm not going to mention the name because no. I don't want people to accidentally go out and buy it. But it's first of all, you remember when you were a kid? We've talked about you this, could drop a phone history. and nothing happened to it, right? Because they were made out of I think it was called Bakelite or something. You could drop yes. it from the top of the Empire State Building, and it, instead of breaking, it would actually sound better. Yeah. Now look at this. I mean, it's I know. It's not even industrial grade plastic. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make a squirt gun out of this phone. Oh, now it's really broken. Yeah. Wait. Uh, my, my, no. No. You know what? The weird thing is that probably fixed it. Now, my but, former supervisor, Dean Corner, who you knew well, yeah, know he's now well, up in Maine. Maine yeah. um, he accidentally dropped a phone. I don't know how he did it, but it went flying. <laughs> He was trying to do something. His foot caught on the cable. The phone went up in the air about six feet off the desk surface, mm. came smashing down on the floor. I think he was hoping he'd actually broken it so it wouldn't get calls. All it did was one little tiny piece chipped off. Oh, yeah. And the thing, then the phone started to ring him, and he said, next have deleted, and that you couldn't kill the no. phones. They, you're right. They were These solid. phones now, sometimes you just look at them, and they go oh, I know. on the blink. Yeah. All right. Let's try again. I think what I did with that modest adjustment, see, like you this. made it work. Well, yeah. So now, and you can hear. Even people listening on the radio can hear. Listen, this is called U.S. quality. Oh wait, no, it's not made in the U.S. We no, can't, we can't afford to make technology. Anyway, let's try. Please. Hi, WNBF. Uh, are you the phone company? No, I'm Beverly. Oh, okay. Well, that's better than the phone company. Yes, it Be is. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. But I'm Beverly number two. Oh, that's oh. right. Oh, yes. You two Beverly? But also from the town of Dickinson. Oh, yes. I'm from the town of Dickinson. There are okay. a lot of, number two. lot of Beverly's. All right. You're, you're not part of the, the the legendary Beverly Hillbillies, though, are you, from TV? Oh, oh thing? no, but I used to watch them all the time. There oh. you go. You know who Me I too. liked? You know who I liked? Granny? Yeah, Granny. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Granny. Granny. I was infatuated with Granny. Yeah. <laughs> Irene Ryan. Okay, now, I, I got to ask Jerry Smith something. Go ahead. Now, back maybe in the 60s, my husband and I went to a museum, I think it was on Water Street, that had IBM machines in it. It had key punches, mainframe, not mainframes, but processors, you know, where you put the cards in and it sorted the cards out and right. everything. Do you remember such a place? In the 1960s. It was on Water Street, right along the river, and it was in a brick building. Hmm. And um, No. I, my husband, by the way, he and Phil were the first programmers at Raymond Corporation. Okay. Raymond Corporation sent John and his friends to Boston in February, of all times, to learn how to program. But anyway, we went to this, I, I swear there was a museum there. Hmm. I mean, because Robertson was already open over on Front Street. 
So you're not talking about the one that's there now. No, because that would be TechWorks on Water Street. Yeah. It's Susan and Sherwood's that's, operation. Yeah, that's there now. Um, and that has a lot of equipment like right. that. But 19, 1960s? No, I can't So I'm recall. looking at their website. It says uh, Vintage IBM Computing right. Center. Oh, yeah. And they have all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm looking at it. It's So maybe maybe you're thinking of that? Could be. But that, wow. that only opened up... Ten years ago, yeah, or maybe a little bit oh, longer. Oh no, this, this would have been much. Hmm. This was in the early days of programming when we used oh, cards. Oh, okay. Hmm. You remember no. cards? We, oh yeah. Oh, I love those cards. You know, when I was when I first went to the uh, computing center over at Sunny Binghamton before <laughs> Lois DeFleur decided to rebrand the place, but when it was still Sunny Binghamton at the computing center, we had to use those the, the, the punch cards. Hmm. Which were the same size as the old large $1 bills. They were. Yeah. Right. Well, I worked at Endicott Johnson on Riverside Drive in Johnson City. Okay. We had a computer room, and we had key punchers. Right. And um, I was in the era of going from pencils to computers. Okay. Okay. So I, I watched the whole process as I worked in different areas of Endicott Johnson and I also worked at the sales building on the corner of Oak and North, which they tore down. Right. We had a computer room there, key punchers on one floor, and all those processing machines. The computer room was a designated area that was enclosed and air-conditioned, ah. where the rest of the place wasn't. <laughs> yes. And um, it, it was just a marvelous error to watch us go from pencil to computers. Mm. Yep, those were the days, yes, my friend. Indeed. We thought they'd never end. Thank you Thank for you the for memories. That. Yeah, yeah. That's when IBM was big and yes. blue. Yes. Now it's small, but still blue. Well, well. Sometimes they cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending on the quarterly earnings. Yes. It's not so much the earnings. Or the question is bonuses. The thoughts for the... of what could happen to their collection. Oh yeah, that's coming up next. Okay. Don't touch that dial. The IBM collection. It's future in Endicott, WNBF. That's as far as I got. I, I was writing a song, but mm. I only got the first four seconds. But I'm going to work on it over the yeah, weekend. Yeah, I think that could be a, a, a good one, Bob. Yeah. yeah. Sounds sounds like it has potential. Yes. Listening to News Radio, WNBF. This is Binghamton Then. I'm Bob Joseph with historian Gerald Smith. The IBM Endicott Collection. Yes. A lot has been said about it. Yep. And you, as a noted historian, you must have some thoughts about how important the IBM Collection is to Endicott and to the entire region. Yeah, indeed. Uh, um, I first saw it after, not too long after IBM developed the exhibit and had it in their education building on North Street. And in order to go there, you had to have a special appointment. Uh, it was it was basically geared toward the IBM employees, but then they started allowing groups and such, stroke societies and things to come in. It wasn't easy to get to, but it was an excellent exhibit because it talked about the early days, the development, bringing in Watson, the whole community, community built around Endicott. Uh, and then, of course, with 
sort of the decline of IBM there. It was in danger of just going away. And at that point, the old village of Union Historic Society was moving out of their Main Street house that they had into the building on Washington Avenue that they had just acquired. And it seemed to be, to my mind, a good fit that it would be loaned to them at no cost and put on the first floor. The second floor would focus in and around the Endicott-Johnson story uh, and the rest of the Endicott history. So it's an excellent exhibit for those who have never seen it. Uh, and to my mind, I'm not quite sure what all the rationale is behind the potential giving back or relocating Um it should remain in Endicott. I, I mean, it tells the story of IBM in Endicott and, and IBM's importance. And as you mentioned, it goes way beyond Endicott boundaries. This, that's a part of Broome County. That's part of our regional history here in the Southern Tier. Uh, the development, as one caller said, of, of the move from pencils to time cards and, and tapes and then discs and such. Uh, it, it exemplifies our history and how big a role IBM has played here. So it, I would hate to see it leave just because there are other factors that might make it difficult for it to stay in its present location. Uh, there are other avenues that can be looked at. Well, since I first learned of the the issue and, and the... Uh, concerns that the IBM collection would be heading out of Endicott and could be returned to the corporation. I've been trying to make arrangements to have Ted Warner, president of the Old Village of Union Historical Society. He oversees the museum on Washington Avenue. I've wanted him to come on the program. He hasn't returned my calls, but he uh, did send a letter. Okay. And I'll read part of the letter. He yes, said... Please. He said, um, for two years, the Historical Society has been losing money on a monthly basis, which is putting the future of the society in a very precarious situation. He wrote that the board met almost weekly since May to find a financial solution. After five months, they did not discover any sort of financial assistance. He said in his letter, the only option and only solution that offered real relief was to end the IBM loan and rent out the space to a tenant. And he wrote that the board voted for that course, and IBM was then notified of the board's decision. Now, I've heard stories from board members about the September meeting, and they don't believe that the vote there was was done legitimately because they assert that some board members didn't even know there was going to be a vote. Right. Now, in the letter, again, I really would like to talk with Ted Warner on the air because I have a lot of questions. He wrote, in the past few weeks, there was an outpouring of concern about the collection leaving the area. Several people have offered to work on trying to keep the collection in the Endicott area, either at the History Center or at another location. The various ideas will be presented and discussed at the next board meeting. So that is all I have from Ted Warner. Uh, If he ever calls and wants to be on the program, we can ask him uh, some more questions. Now, uh, just a short time ago, um, we received a note from Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson. Right. This actually just came in less than an hour ago. 
And she said she had been contacted by Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo, and she said the museum board reversed Ted Warner on rushing to get rid of the IBM memorabilia. Uh, she talked to the mm. museum director, who we also have had on the program, right. uh, Marlene. Yes. And I, I spoke, spoke with her earlier uh, this week. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and so apparently there is somebody from IBM who has agreed to catalog the items that are currently in Endicott, and then they'll find a permanent home in Endicott. At, according to the mayor, the idea would be, okay, if they have to be removed from 40 Washington right. Avenue, that they could at least be stored temporarily in at the, the municipal, municipal building, building yes. Right. So, Which does have some space. Uh, there's a lower level that a lot of older records and things are such, because I know I, we inventoried those records back in 1991. So it's, it's, that's not an ideal solution, but it is a viable solution. Well, at, at least because my sense... And I haven't talked. I want to talk to the kingpin at IBM, but I don't think the kingpin talks no. to radio people. No, I don't no. It wouldn't be funny though if the person in charge right. of all of IBM called in next hour and said, "Bob just happened to be uh, driving through, uh, heading up to Finger Lakes for the weekend, yeah. driving through to see what's going on in Binghamton now," and then they would tell us, "We didn't know that." You guys cared so much. Yeah, you can have it. And also, IBM is is glad to provide um, $10 million to help line up a, a more permanent location. Now, that's not going to happen. No. But wouldn't it be interesting if it did? No, and I mean, I, I ideally, as we've all said, it needs to stay in Endicott. It, it's the it's Endicott's story. And it seems that there should be a location that would be proper because it's a museum type exhibit that's how it was designed it's beautiful oh yeah it's 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 priceless it's really good looking i mean they did ibm did it the first time i ever saw it i thought this is well thought out and well done they care i mean they care they they, 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 they were telling, value their history right they were telling their story um and unfortunately, I mean, we're going to be losing some of the older ibm factories at some point the, the mckinley has closed, yeah. So that'll eventually go. Here's here's the thing. I can say most likely. So the old building group there, the buildings east of McKinley Avenue yes. to Hayes Avenue, right. whatever's left, they're going to go at some point. Will they go this winter? No, but they will go at some point. And there's businesses who want to already build on those locations. Yeah. And then uh, south of North Street, including. The uh, what had been the McKinley, the old IBM right. cafeteria, is that building likely to go and and things be used for manufacturing or whatever? Yeah, probably. That's part of oh, that's the a, plan. That's a very sound building. Well, maybe and they structurally can, sound. All right. Well, then maybe they can keep that. Yeah. But the bottom line is, and I, I they want the whole going. Um, they want from that. North Street heading south. Right. The people who run here on campus, Phoenix Associates, they have big plans for that. Right. And that would be good for the Endicott economy well, and for right. businesses and manufacturing. I mean, look, we've already got battery technology, but there are other buildings around the Endicott area that might be suitable. Right. I would love to see it go over to the Endicott Visitor Center, but they don't have the space that would be required. Well, I say Endicott Kmart, which has a lot of space. Has a lot of space. Now, it was going to be used at one point by the company from Vermont. Yes. It turned out the floors and the foundation wasn't strong enough. But I think, based on what I've heard, I think that building could potentially, 
be used for a museum. Now, the parking lot, yeah, that's that's another issue, right. but but that that could be dealt with too. Just seems like that's well, an option. it's it's a one floor level. Yes, that you so it'd be accessible and you can spread stuff. You can out. cordon off areas for your collections that you don't because you don't. A good museum doesn't have out its total collections all at once at any time. Right. You rotate, you move around, you, you keep don't, it interesting, right? Uh, and and so you know it's always you create exhibits, you create permanent things, but you you leave areas for meetings and such. That's a possibility. I don't know what that would entail. Yeah, because as far as I understood, when IBM leased this to the Historical Society, it was at no cost. And that's exactly what what Ted Warner said in his letter. That, I mean, that so, it was so giving at it, no cost. That that was what I think perplexed people. Giving it back to IBM wasn't going to save them any money. But what what he said in his letter, they want to be able to space. Yeah, and rent that space on the street level on Washington Avenue. Or here's what some people are saying anyway, at some point they may want to just sell the building because they bought the building about 11 years ago right. for $379,000. Yes. In the way things are going with Endicott, with redevelopment, yes, that property could probably fetch more than three hundred seventy nine thousand dollars. Right. So maybe because unfortunately, what a lot of stroke societies have done, and probably is true in this case, is they spend their money on a building, but then the building costs and maintenance costs and related costs start eating away at what's left in the bank accounts. And unless you have a steady stream of revenue coming in, now there is the rent. Is it rent a center? Is located in right. that area. So that's a tenant. That's a tenant. They're getting revenue and, from the rent. And if center. he was able to rent out, possibly have enough cash flow to cover the building costs, but whether it returns them to fiscal solvency is, is hard to know. One thing that Mary O'Malley Trumbull, the IBM Endicott senior location executive, said earlier this year, she said the company museum on Washington Avenue would continue to anchor IBM's presence in the community. Yes. And that's important because IBM in the last few months did end its physical presence in the village. So we'll see what happens. Yes. We will see what happens and we will keep you posted about the fate of the IBM collection in Endicott. More coming up. This is Binghamton Then. I'm Bob Joseph with Jerry Smith on WNBF. I had to cue it up on the turntable. Yes. <laughs> Where is that cart machine? Somebody I, took my cart I think machine. I had this on eight track. <laughs> That's a good one. Um. Oh, I think that was uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> was it Taylor Swift's grandfather? Okay, yes, Johnny Swift. Mm. Uh, Swift Premium. Ah, Johnny Rivers. <laughs> oh, you kids! You know, it turns out we've had so much fun here today. Yeah. You know what I think? I, I think, think I, you ought to stay after I the think news. So I don't feel like leaving. I think I'm going to stay for a few minutes. Why don't you barricade the door? Okay. And, and refuse. I'll fling my body against. the Wouldn't opening. that be a great story? Yeah. On the CBS Evening News tonight in upstate New York. 
A noted historian barricaded himself in a radio studio, refusing to come out until That's he right. talked. That's right. About a very important issue. And we will. We're going to, yeah. I can't tell you what it is, but no. coming up after the news, we'll talk about a very important local issue. Indeed. Coming up next, as they say on the radio, stay tuned. You're listening to live radio broadcasting from where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 52. Tonight, uh, mostly cloudy, slight chance of rain and snow. Showers low around 35. Partly sunny on Saturday, Veterans Day, with a chance of rain and snow showers. Sunday, mostly sunny, high near 44. The man suspected of setting the fire that killed more than two dozen racehorses at Tioga Downs Casino Resort faces several felony charges. Authorities said Boyd Fenton of Athens, Pennsylvania, was arrested in connection with a blaze that tore through a horse stable at the racetrack in the town of Nichols. According to the New York State Police, an investigation revealed Fenton entered the barn and set the fire that caused thousands of dollars worth of damage. The blaze was reported shortly after 6.30 a.m. Thursday. Several fire departments from Tioga and Bradford counties were sent to the racetrack complex. A person who entered the building structure in an effort to save the horses sustained second-degree burns. He was taken to Robert Packer Hospital in Sarah for treatment. His name and condition were not released. State police at Fenton has been charged with third-degree arson and third-degree burglary. He also faces felony counts of second-degree criminal mischief and second-degree assault. Fenton was arraigned Thursday afternoon and sent to Tioga County Jail in Owego. Broome County residents will see their taxes go down for a sixth straight year in 2024, following the passage Thursday evening of the county budget. In addition to the property tax cut, next year's budget includes additional investments in public safety, infrastructure, and upgrading the county workforce. The final budget reduces the property tax rate 4%, the sixth consecutive tax cut for Broome County residents. Since Gunner took office, the entire county property tax rate has now decreased 22%. Other highlights of the budget include another record-breaking county road construction program, over 80 miles of paving planned for 2024, funding for the renovation of the Binghamton Airport, Griffin Park, SUNY Broome Health Center, and the construction of the Veterans Resource Center, Investing in an additional $3 million for county employee upgrades to retain and attract new employees. $500,000 for small community grants for nonprofit agencies and municipalities. And the addition of four more members of the Sheriff's Road Patrol to increase public safety. Many customers of a Broome County pharmacy were caught by surprise by the closing of the store. The Walgreens unit at 335 Main Street in Johnson City was shut down this week. A sign posted at the store entrance advised people that the store was closed on Monday. The Walgreens store is just east of a CVS pharmacy that closed in May of 2022. Rumors that the Walgreens store was going to be shut down started to circulate last month, although many of the shelves throughout the store were empty. Customers who asked about the situation were advised the location was not going to close. The Johnson City Walgreens Pharmacy opened in February 2007. The store was located directly across the main street from Wilson's Medical Center. 
the former CVS pharmacy building to the west now is being renovated for United Health Services. The 10,000-square-foot structure is being prepared for use as a 24-hour retail and specialty pharmacy. It's scheduled to open early next year. The Veterans Day Parade tradition will return to Binghamton after a four-year hiatus on Saturday at 1 p.m. The parade will step off at the American Legion Post 80, 76 Main Street, Binghamton, and continue to the Broome County Courthouse. The viewing stand will be located near the county courthouse. Several local groups will be participating in the parade. Veterans Day was established after an unknown World War I American soldier was interred at Arlington National Cemetery on November 11, 1921. The date was chosen specifically to recognize World War I officially ended on November 11, 1918 at 11 a.m. This day became widely known as Armistice Day and was officially recognized by Congress in 1926. After World War II, Congress passed a resolution to proclaim November 11 as Veterans Day. Donald Trump's lawyers have been thwarted in their long-shot bid to put an immediate end to the New York civil fraud trial that threatens the former president's real estate empire. The judge didn't rule on the request Thursday, but indicated that the trial will go on as scheduled Monday with Donald Trump Jr. returning to the stand as the first defense witness. The ex-president's lawyers had asked Judge Arthur Engeron to skip the rest of the trial and issue a verdict clearing him, his company, and top, top executives, including Trump Jr., of wrongdoing. They made the request at the halfway point in the trial of New York Attorney General James' lawsuit, arguing that state lawyers had failed to prove their case. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio That's, we're not talking about that bridge. That, that bridge, the sinking bridge. Remember that one over on Shenango Street? The yes. one that kept sinking. And yes. The state spent millions and billions yes. and billions of dollars to try to stop it from sinking. We have trouble with bridges. It's not our fault, though. No. It's not like we designed them. No. And we didn't build them. No. Nope. Either they sank or eventually... They get torn down. After a good, useful life, after serving the public for more than half a century, sometimes a span must go. That's right. And that is the topic of this bonus segment of Binghamton Then. <laughs> Jerry Smith, I'm Bob Joseph. We're joined now by the town of Dickinson's supervisor, Michael Marinaccio. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Good morning Bob. Mike. So whatever happened to the pedestrian bridge, did those kids ever finally tear it down? The kids tore it down. Yeah, the uh, it's completely gone now. There were a couple of uh, support uh, columns, or one or main support column that was up a few days ago, but I drove by there today, and that is gone. So they were a little bit behind in their schedule mm. in uh, the demolition project, but uh, it's gone. It went real well. No complaints. There wasn't a lot of noise, but um, it's gone. 
And uh, I, you know, when I was thinking about it, and I knew that Jerry was on today, I thought, boy, you know, there's a lot of history yeah. about that bridge. And well, yeah. Jerry can share some. Well, yeah, because I mean, obviously, the design of it was intended for the residents there along Old Front Street, Sunrise Mm -hmm. Terrace, and such to be able to get over to where the new Front Street had been relocated. This all took place at the same time that they were rerouting. Well, they rerouted part of the Shenango River for a while. Otsonango Park is created. Those interstates are coming through. Uh, it was, it all fit into that motif. I was sort of, I'm sort of sorry to see it go, although I'll be honest, I never saw, except at the time of Speedy Fest, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of pedestrian or bicycle traffic on it, you know, so it's, and, and, yeah, yeah, we used to get hundreds of people crossing that during Speedy Fest. Oh, yeah. But, but over the years, uh, you know, they were doing, uh, pedestrian counts, and I, right. I think I mentioned this on the show the last time I was on. You know, we were averaging maybe 12 at the most 15 people uh, during the summer. In the wintertime, it was cut in half. Right. So is that, um, that, That's a daily count, right? That's a daily count. Okay, yeah. so I mean, it's not like there's hundreds of people traversing no. the bridge. No, and, and it didn't meet federal standards anymore either. I wouldn't so. think so, no. I mean, for well, especially for the – in order to get the bridge over the highway – at a high enough height, the embankments coming up, I'm sure, wouldn't <clears throat> excuse me meet like ADA standards for people who might be wheelchair bound or something to get up there. You're you're absolutely right. There was there was an issue with the uh, the former bridge, mm-hmm. and when they built the new bridge, and and I'm sure everybody's uh, been on it or been over it and walked it. it it's wonderful. It's it's a little bit further for. Folks like myself who live in Sunrise Terrace, it right. actually adds about, believe it or not, about a mile. Does it? That long? And, okay. Yeah, maybe, <clears throat> yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit less, but you know that could be a good thing for for people. Like well, me. true. And but it's a beautiful bridge. Yeah. And it's safe. Uh, the new bridge. It's very safe, and it has everything you could possibly want on a walking trail. There's even a cell phone for uh, emergencies mm. up there, place to sit. Well, yeah, obviously there's a much wider area for the pedestrians to walk without fear of somebody clipping them or something of that nature. But you're, who, you're exactly who right. is responsible for the maintenance? Like uh, snow removal and other things. Yeah, yeah, yours truly. <laughs> the town oh. of Dickinson is responsible for maintaining that new walkway? We're responsible for the walkway. Yes, okay. We are. But not yeah, the bridge. We, we have to maintain, no, not the bridge itself. Oh, yeah, okay. Not all okay. Bridge, no. But um, the the fencing, the wood, the wood right. fencing that's on one side, we're responsible for that. Okay. And of course, the winter snow removal and ice uh, control and so forth. And then from the concrete barriers on, uh, we're not responsible for that. Okay. The the old embankments that are still there, the 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 lead up to the bridge, are those going mm-hmm. to be removed? No, I don't think so. I think what they're doing is. Um, I, I took a look at it today, right? Uh, driving by there, and uh, I'm like, wow. I hope nobody decides to try to climb down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that could be a little bit hazardous. Yes, I believe what they're going to do is they're they're going once they get all the debris cleaned out of there. They're going to reseed, you know, plant uh, okay. various plants, you know, you know, to prevent erosion. Sure, and I think that's the limit. Okay, at the at the 
at the entrance, or what was used to be the entrance to the bridge on on the Dickinson side. Okay, um, we we will take care of that. We're going to maintain it, and we what we have been doing uh, up until they started demolition is is planting various things and uh, maintaining it so it looks halfway decent. We also use it in the wintertime for uh, snow storage. Oh. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I mean it's a good spot to do that when we're when we're plowing uh, various areas and and Old Front Street. That's a, a town street now. That's no longer a, a state street like it used to be years ago. Right. So that for, entire for, street, whether it's for those of us who remember road. going when Front Street was still all <laughs> one stretch and Joe yeah. Hickey's Volkswagen. Joe Hickey's. <laughs> well, that's where our that's where our uh, town garage and yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the old farmstead that was there. Yes. Um, that was dismantled, you know, yes. Yeah, well, we did that when we put our new town hall right. there. And that, that, those buildings were vacant for, oh, forever. Yes. And uh, they, were, they were in disarray. We were having all kinds of uh, issues there with kids and with mm. squatters. And um, so we ended up buying all that property, including Joe Hickey's, right. uh, to put up our, our new town hall in our garage. So it all worked out in the end. Right. It always does. Yeah. We're speaking with the town of Dickinson supervisor, Michael Marinaccio. Also with us here on WNBF is noted historian, Gerald Smith, and also uh, a radio host who just can't leave, Bob <laughs> Joseph. The rest of us, <laughs> yes, Michael and I can leave. So. Yeah, but... but Contractually, I, well, they, they won't well, let me out of the out know, of my cage for another forty. Paying me overtime for this segment, are no, you? that's oh, true. there's no overtime for this. No, he's getting exactly what he gets for get, for the regular segment. After zero ten years of doing this, zero absolutely cents. zero. Yeah, yeah, but, isn't today a holiday too? That's like triple yeah, yeah, theoretically. So mm-hmm. let's see, three times zero <laughs> is zero. So congratulations. Now I looked up in the newspaper back when they did local stories and. <laughs> Uh, February 1st, 1968, in the press, mm. there was yeah. an expose by Dave Rossi. Mm. It was, oh. no, it was actually the story of the bridge the day it opened. So oh. the picture, and, and now it can be told, this will be, this should be a trivia question. People should remember this. Who were the first two people to walk across the walkway that was just torn down in, in the last couple of weeks? Oh. 19, 1968? Yeah, February. Boy, was it Governor? Was the Governor one of them? No. Then, no, and actually that's that's the funny thing. It does mention Governor Nelson, Nelson Rockefeller, Rockefeller and Dave Rockefeller <laughs> yeah, back before he, uh, he had trouble with his right hand. Um, <laughs> oh, that was a low blow. But he was a pioneer in digital communication. That's right. And he did point the way. He did point the way for he those for those Sorry. hippies from SUNY Binghamton. <laughs> that way, back over to the river. You kids get back mm, to Vestal and get, get back to the books yeah. and lay off the Internet. Oh, no. So was it making, Nelson Rockefeller? Yeah. Was it War? Warren Anderson? No. Actually, as Dave Rossi as Dave Rossi put it, it opened without fanfare. Actually it opened on the final day of January nineteen sixty eight. His story appeared February first. No ribbons were cut, no high school bands tootled, no high school bands not played, tootled, and no politicians predicted that the thing would cause an instantaneous economic renaissance. Hey, I love Dave Ross. Yeah. He, he, he had such a way with words. A press photographer snapped a couple out for a stroll on the new bridge. Perhaps the only persons, except for a curious reporter, 
to use the thing to date. And according to this story, it was Edward B. Alexander and his wife. Okay. That's back oh. in the day when the newspapers opted not to give the uh, first name of women. So it was That's Mrs. Right. Alexander, yes. because I, I guess because of HIPAA, they wanted to respect her privacy, but <laughs> not using her first name. <laughs> Who is Edward Alexander? I don't. Darn if I know. None of us know. Nobody knows, but apparently. Well, you know, there was opposition to this bridge as well. Oh, yeah. I I remember that vaguely because I was still in high school. Uh, (laughs) By the way, he, according to the picture caption, because they do have a picture. That's back when they had photojournalists over at the paper. A picture of Mr. Edward B. Alexander and someone named Mrs. Alexander. He it was a retired utility engineer. So that's okay. How he's oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I just had to rethink. I wasn't even in high school. I was in junior high. That's when they still had junior highs and not middle schools. So. Oh, I was in college. <laughs> well, you're much older than. So this is this shows you that Dave Rossi, in some ways, sounds like a reporter, sort of the way I am. He wrote in his story, the reporter lurked around the western edge of the bridge for about an hour late in the day, waiting for somebody to come <laughs> off or start on the bridge. Nobody. Then this morning, he went back and stood there again from about 7.40 until 9.15 and waited again and while nobody. a raw 20-mile-an-hour wind oh knifed God. into him. Nobody. What did the bridge cost then? Do you have that information? $312,000, which in that 2023 dollars would be probably... $3 million. Yeah, yeah. At least. So, oh, here's... At least that. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, so Dave Rossi is waiting in the cold in the winter of 1968, the winter of his discontent. And then he says, well... Not exactly nobody came across the bridge. A nondescript brown dog idled by about 8.30, looked (laughs) the loiterer, referring to himself, over in the knowing way dogs have of sizing up oddballs and wandered off. Isn't that beautiful? I, lo- I love Dave oh, Rossi. My, I, loved, I love Dave Rossi. Yeah. I used to see him all the time at the bank and try to get him to uh, be a guest speaker at my Italian club, which I was never able to do. Mm. But he was a national treasure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the his writing, I mean, whether it was news reporting or his columns, was just you know, it, something it, to behold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And by the way, Jerry, I, I enjoyed reading your columns. Oh, thank you. I'm going to continue you know, doing it. Not being a native well, from, from here, uh, being a Buffalonian, and I moved here in 1983, it... it you know, I learn a lot when I read your columns. Yeah. Uh, history is important, and yes, I'm always it is. very interested. Well, it gives people a sense of place and what happened in the past so they can put what's going on today sort of in context, and that's that's the whole yeah. point. Well, well, you know, the funny thing is, you know, GPS and how it works, and I don't know if it's still true now, but we would see, because uh, we're at the dead end of my, my town hall. Okay, right. And we would see car after car coming down Old Front Street and then reaching the end thinking that they can get into the city. And then they would see us out there, and we'd be out front doing something, and they would question, well, what happened to, what happened to Front Street, right? <laughs> I was been gone for about 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, but at some of the the old, I don't know, maybe they were using old systems. I have no idea. Must be. Or, or yeah. just thinking that there was a shortcut if there was a traffic issue. Yeah, and, and some people don't understand. You do have to update your GPS. your GPS system every yes, every few years or else you're going to be led down uh, to a, a dead-end street. That's right. Listen yeah. to the rest of this 
or a part of the other uh, Dave Rossi report about the opening of the bridge. He said, um, fantasies gave way to reality after the first hour. Nobody had come and nobody was coming. But wait, here came two women. They weren't going to use the bridge. That was obvious, but they were pedestrians. The reporter hailed them. They stopped, wary at being accosted by some character standing there among the discarded beer cans and milkshake cartons. No. One of them hefted her handbag, obviously ready to sell her life dearly as the fellow approached. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you going to use the bridge? Do you know anybody who is going to use the bridge? Have you heard anybody in your neighborhood say he might use the bridge? His voice was taking on a pleading note. The women drew together, certain now that they were confronting a madman. <laughs> You mean that thing is open? One of them asked. When? Asked the other. The reporter told them. Well, one of the women said, probably nobody would use it in the morning. The kids all take buses to school, but maybe late in the afternoon you might find some kids using it. The ones who stay after the buses leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ross. And that was one of the reasons for the bridge was kids going to yeah. school, especially at Theodore Roosevelt. Yep, but it yeah, never yeah. really, never really materialized. Now here's an no. interesting thing. Remember, this was before it was officially the highway was then known as the Penn Can yeah, that's Highway. Right. Before it was officially I-81, the DOT. Oh, it was started off as Department of Public Works before there was a DOT, and oh, then it okay. became Department of Transportation. Initially, the DOT said no to the pedestrian bridge, and then Governor Nelson Rockefeller said yes. And there it is, wide enough to accommodate a Volkswagen. It is, however, <laughs> close to all close to all pedestrians, or, or but pedestrians, bicycles are prohibited. Hmm. Or, but, but remember, and I don't know if you heard this, Mr. Marinaccio, somebody called in, Bob from Shenango Forks called in uh, a few weeks ago and said, well... Me and my friend, we we rode across that in a Volkswagen. Yeah. And it's like, really? You know. Oh, yeah. I knew that. And Jeeps, too. There's somebody oh. from the oh, terrace. Oh, really? Somebody, somebody who used to live in the terrace um, had a Jeep. And he made a comment on Facebook. That, yeah, I used to drive over there with my Jeep. I figured maybe they thought Joe Hickey was still open or something. They were taking their, yeah. <laughs> their bug over there to get repaired or something. Well, good times. Oh, my gosh. Good yeah. Times. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. The history of that bridge is interesting. And yeah, it is. We knew that it was finally going to be demolished. Uh, my my town's historian started digging into um, some of the history and mm. some of the pros and the cons, but the bridge got built regardless. Yeah. Well, and thanks to Nelson Rockefeller. You know why? Thank you. Yeah. You know why he approved it? No. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say. You say. <laughs> Well, you, because you know why. Because it wasn't his money. It wasn't his money. Yeah, ah. it was somebody else's money. So he said, go go right ahead. Spend $312,000 in state tax money. It's not mine. Yeah. Isn't that something? He, he yeah. had his millions, and so he was happy. Yeah. Which was also the name of his wife. <laughs> he, he had happy. Yeah. yeah. And, and remember, the happy song by Pharrell that everybody likes. That's so right. everything is tied together, folks. Yes. It's just one happy, happy happy show for happy yeah. people everywhere so and the mystery the mystery of the bridge demolition is over because i heard that 
said a few times on your show. Oh, yeah. There's no, well, there was no mystery. Was no. the controversy? It was the, like, the like shrouds a, of mystery a faux controversy that erupted away. By, by somebody who alleged that most of the bridge was still there. And, you know, a few days earlier, I had, I swore that I drove under it and legally, while driving 65 miles an hour under it, took a legal picture to, to prove. And I had to look it up because I thought I was starting to doubt myself yeah. because this person was so insistent. And I thought, well, there's the picture. I can submit it to the, yeah. uh, the judge in New York City. And then she would say, oh, I like you as a defendant compared to some people I deal with. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'll tell you this, Michael Marinaccio. They might be able to take away our pedestrian walkway, but they can't take away our memories. That's right. Never. After a while, hopefully we can maintain. Otherwise, I memories. won't have a job. People like Jerry, you know, he keeps those memories. That's active. it. That's my job. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. Wow. This, wasn't this special segment worth it? It was. And yeah. all that overtime I did not earn. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. By the way, indeed. By the way, Jerry. Yes. Because Oh no, I'm not <laughs> I was going to say that that we were going to offer you a a little pittance um no, little pittance. Yeah. But no, we don't even have that. No. no I checked no, the budget. No we're we're, yeah. we're out of pittance. You know, I we're think out of just just because of this, I think I'm not going to do this until a Monday. All right. You know, I <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, and and Michael Marinaccio, I I'm serious too. I've been sick and tired of having Jerry Smith in here on Friday. That's right for the last ten years. So I I've decided yes, that we has. we need to have this history segment on Mondays from now on. Um, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think Friday's are better. <laughs> Sorry, overruled. But we you've been overruled. I was going to say Jerry and I <laughs> we're, say we're Monday. We're moving to Monday. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah. And Jerry, I asked you this uh, some time ago uh, because I, I love reading your your yep. articles. I think it would be extremely interesting to read and learn about the development of I eighty one and seventeen. Yeah, and I remember. Yeah. It, I still intend on doing that. It's going to take a little bit more research because we've yes. got lots of files because it, it gets that's a very complex story. Yes. And by the and way, do you remember what I eighty one originally was called? Well, the Pen Can Highway. No, but there was a different interstate designation. Oh, oh, wow! And it's three digits. Really? Look it up, Jerry. Fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, no, I'm serious because you still, and this, this appeared, huh. and it, it shocked me, and very little shocks me, but I was doing some research, actually, in conjunction with this pedestrian walkway, and I discovered an interesting little thing that some references to I-81, even in recent years, identify it by a three-digit three number. Three-digit number. Yeah, that has most nothing to do. states are always two-digit. Yeah, but, but initially, when it was first... In the early stages, the planning stages, okay. it was designated with a different number. I'll and, Jerry, that's your assignment. And, and that way, people maybe can look forward to your I'll piece. report that out on Monday, December 11th. <laughs> December 11th. I think that's the day you should come back. So there was there was a highway there of some sort? No, no, no but this is the it's early the river, stages right? the when river. they were expanding yeah, what they were the planning. interstate, I think, was probably, you know who... Because it was uh, Dwight Eisenhower's big idea to have an interstate system. Right. It was probably President Eisenhower who came up with the number. And then probably uh, 
uh, somebody else who said that three-digit number was going to be too difficult to Yeah, because they went to two digits, yeah. and odd numbers are interstates that go north and south, and even right. numbers are east yeah. and west. East and west, yeah. Crazy. yeah. That's interesting. Now, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, now. me too. Look it up, man. All right. You'll I'll, be glad I'll you did. Pour it out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Michael Marinaccio, the town of Dickinson supervisor. Okay. Well, that was interesting. Uh, it was a democratic process there about whether you should uh, come in on Monday starting next month. And two, he two, had a vote, two to one. That's right. You know, so democracy rules. I say Mondays. You say Mondays. So yeah. Monday it is. We'll see you on Monday, December 11th at 1010 a.m. That's it. I'll be here. On 92.1 FM, 1290 a.m. and streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. Radio, WNBF. Tonight's going to be a good, good night. Let's take a look at the weather for today and tonight. Today, cloudy 52. Tonight, cloudy. Some rain showers. Maybe some snow showers, 35. Tomorrow, partly sunny. A few rain and snow showers in the morning. And a high of 42. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 44. And right now, in downtown Binghamton, it's 48. That is 8 Celsius. At News Radio, WNBF. Let's see what's going on. What's going on? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There are a few things I could say, but probably, eh, probably not the best time to say it. I'll probably say that on Monday. So here's something, though, you'll be interested in. The federal judge overseeing former President Trump's classified documents case has granted a request from his legal team to push back some pretrial deadlines. But for now, she is keeping the trial's May start date. In the ruling, Judge Eileen Cannon agreed to move back some deadlines for pretrial motions in order to help the defense team deal with issues related to their ability to view the classified materials at the center of the case. The judge said she'll make a decision on whether to move the trial date when the parties meet in March, but at least for now, the tentative start for the trial is going to be... May. All right, Maggie. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. That was the bulletin from ABC News. Catherine Folders with the story.
about the classified documents case. This is Binghamton Now on a Friday morning, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the WNBF app. What's for lunch? Right back. With lamb speedies. And copious quantities of diet moxie. Let's go back to the phone lines. Andy from Vestal, you're on the air. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Hey, uh, I, I, I realize I probably have been listening to the uh, Jerry Smith like you now. Um, from being in, uh, when I was in business, uh, was in my store. Um, reason I was, I was calling, I was hoping to catch him was to, uh, ask if, if, if he recalled, um, uh, my grand, my grandparents and my aunt and uncle's jewelry store in downtown Binghamton and then, uh, called Cal and Major Jewelers, which then, uh, in the, oh gosh, the late, 60s moved over to Binghamton Plaza and the building, actually their old building, their old section of Binghamton Plaza is still there with their old fixtures in it after they closed it in 1973. But there was, the point I was trying to make is there was a, back in 1952 when my grandparents were alive, um, they had Ralph Carroll uh, do, uh, and he had at that time it was called the Carroll Caravan. Uh, that was the name of his, I think, radio show or TV show. I don't know. Um, and uh, he, there's a recording of my, at that time, my mother was no more than 21 or 22, you know. And uh, and I was, man, I was just born, I don't know, well, maybe the year before or that, or that year. Says, have, uh, my mother was on, on a record and, was, was, and the record was recorded by the clerk studios which was on Main Street in Binghamton, and my parents had it for many years, and I can't, obviously, it's it's missing in action. And I I don't know if, if uh, W, you know, if, if your radio station even keeps... Oh, of course not. No, we don't, we don't yeah. keep anything. We, we trash everything. That's, that's basically most radio and TV stations don't, don't appreciate their heritage. I thought so. that's more. I thought that's most government uh, agencies. Well, that that's not because they don't. No, that's not because they don't appreciate history. That's because they, when the prosecutors come, they don't want any evidence lying around. But but for radio and TV stations, we just don't have places to store all of the recordings, no matter what format they were in. I mean, it would take up a huge amount of space to keep all that stuff around. Where would where would one look for anything like that? I, that's why I, I realized Jerry would be. I probably no. It's store. just not around. I, I mean, why would anybody who who has space to keep that stuff? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, we, we would love yeah. to. We, you know, un- unfortunately, space costs money. Unless you know if any space available on Main Street over on the west side. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anybody needs some retail space over on the west side, I know a guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking up an, an ad, by the way, for the, the jewelry store, as you mentioned, and one of yeah. the ads from 1957, they had their annual diamond sale, and it says, yeah. here in this city of shopping splendor, few occasions have the magnitude, the grandeur of our annual diamond sale. And yeah. so, yes, the, that's back when Binghamton was a city of shopping splendor. And also, their logo was the with the lobby showcase. Wow. Good times, and baby. There, well, yeah, but the lobby showcase was, that was taken off from, from like, New York City. Uh, they, they, there, there are lobby showcases in, and my, my grandfather uh, always wanted that. Yeah. I wish Binghamton was yeah. a, sh- a city of shopping splendor again. Now all we have is the weed shop. I mean, nothing against it. You know, it's certainly a shop of splendor, but how much cannabis can one actually buy every week? Here's, here's, our store used to be down the street on State Street. Uh, wait, you know, right, you were in the, you're in the old industrial bank building. Mm. Uh, or you're in the old business building, excuse me. Um, same difference though. Uh, and we were at 86 State Street. Um, and 86 State Street is across from the old Common Mart, is across from Common Marty. And, uh, that was, that was, all those buildings were, were, Torn down in 1966, and my and my and my dad was at that time was I think this the city actually helped um, move my father, you know, to 39 Washington Street. Yeah, they had to because of urban renewal. And Joe Stack, uh, that's Dick Stack's brother from the famous Dicks. uh, Joe Stack was a good friend of my dad, and Joe built the building. For my dad. See, it's all part of the rich tapestry that is Binghamton. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate the call at eleven forty-seven. Fred in Binghamton, you're on the air. Oh, I lost Fred. Eh. Telecommunications in 2023. Oh my gosh. 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now. I am Bob Joseph. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Eleven fifty one WNBF Faith in Endicott. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I just have to share this with you as you were talking about spreading the news in the past. In the early fifties, I kind of remember the one thing that they used to was kind of uh, something they all joked about is telephone, telegraph, tell a woman. Oh, really? 
Oh, I get it. I now I get it. it took me a second. Ah, but see, I if I said that today, I could get in trouble. Well, I wouldn't. We all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, see, that shows you how times have changed. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But I do remember that saying from years ago. Telephone, uh-huh. telegraph, tell a woman. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I appreciate All your right. call. Have a great weekend. Thank you for the great show. Thank I love you. It. Thanks. <laughs> oh, those good old days. 1152. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Ah. I, <laughs> I was just thinking, yes, telephone, we still have that, although just barely. Somebody told me. That uh, these days, or I, not somebody told me, I read it on the internet, and it was something along the lines, maybe this Wall Street Journal or uh, Washington Post or New York Times. It's one of those big journalistic outfits, and they said, don't bother calling people anymore. That was the gist of the story. And I thought, what? Don't call people anymore. And I guess the the point of the story, and I'm sure it was written by somebody under the age of 30, is like people don't want to be called anymore. And I'm thinking, well, how, how can you be a reporter and not call people? And the story basically said, uh, first of all, people screen their calls. Almost everybody is screening calls. So if they don't recognize the number, they're not going to answer anyway. And anyway, even if they answer, they don't really want to talk to you. And so what you should do, if you know their number, you should text them or email them to let you let them know that you want to call them and talk to them, almost like you have to make an appointment. I'm thinking, wow. Wow, I, I remember back in the day where it was perfectly acceptable to call people. In fact, that's that's basically, I mean, if you can't go, uh, the ideal thing, say if you're a reporter, is to actually go and visit a place where the story is. But let's face it, logistically, you can't go to every place. I already went to a couple places today in Endicott and Endwell to work on future stories, not necessarily anything coming out today, but you get so much more information when you talk to people face-to-face. And if you can't do it, then do it on the phone. But according to that one newspaper article written probably by somebody who's 27 years old, don't bother calling people anymore. Hmm. Well, fortunately, somebody has called me. Good morning. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Mark from uh, beautiful Endicott, New York, the home of the International Business Mission. Yes. Good morning. What's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted to tell you that I'm down here in Florida looking for Governor Ron and the former guy. Yeah. And uh, how you doing? Have you no. seen Have you seen I have either of them? The former guy, but he had a big rally down here, though. Oh, I heard. I, I or yeah. I saw a video. He was having some kind of fun. Yeah, well, uh, the, 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 probably probably close to Mar Largo too, there, Bob. Yeah, which I believe is worth uh, two billion dollars. I would say Mar a Lago is now worth five billion dollars conservatively. You're not inflating that, are you, Bob? No, I would never. That's not my style. <laughs> I just ask my accountants. I have the best accountants. 
<laughs> so when the weather is good here in Florida, Bob, I give the credit to Governor Ron. When it's bad, I, I, I blame uh, the former guy. I think you're perfectly within within reason, and I appreciate the call. Hope you have a great weekend. Okay, and then I hope that when I get back that Governor Holtzel can make the weather just as nice as Clearwater. I think she will. She's doing great things for our Empire State. Folks, that's our program for the week. I'm Bob Joseph. Enjoy your weekend. I'll be back Monday morning right here with Binghamton Now on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.